Oh, no, we won't because I don't remember what I say to start the pod. <laughs> okay. Hello and welcome to Hawkeye Nation. This is Hawkcast, your Iowa football, basketball, and recruiting podcast brought to you by Ago Iowa Awesome and Rivals.com. I'm your recruiting analyst and host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. And as we're getting started here, I've got Ross Binder, our publisher, one of our publishers at the site, joining us here on this Monday morning. Ross, appreciate you hopping on, uh, and you've got got our, uh, our our topic at hand today with a couple articles that you put together on the Iowa.Rivals.com website for free, over-unders on the offense, team, and defense. So, Ross, wh- where are we starting here? Are we doing offense, defense? Where, where would you like to start? Where are you uh, feeling like we should hit first? Uh, I don't know. Let's start with the offense. Let's, let's do, do the offensive uh, categories. Cool. Let's hit it. And before we get to that, make sure that you subscribe wherever you are listening so you do not miss the chance to listen to one of our episodes of Hawkcast, our Rivals Iowa podcast, and uh, hit that five-star review. Leave a question for us, and if you're on premium board, uh, we'll, we'll get to your questions later in the episode as well. Ask those questions anywhere on our premium board. So we're starting with the offense, and the top thing here, the top stat here is 2,600 passing yards. And I see here in, in this bit in, in your article, Ross, that that would have ranked 90th in the country last year, and that's the over-under. Ouch. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. Ouch is, is is what you have to go with, I think. It's just it, – it's not great, but it's also an improvement on, on what we've been seeing. So, you know, I, I – with a lot of these, I looked at just the average of the Brian Ferentz era, which is, you know, that's six years now going back to uh, 2017. And, you know, what, what have, what's the offense, especially the offense, but, you know, what have they done uh, under with him in charge? And, um, you know, especially for the passing game, it's been a, a pretty steep decline. And, um, you know, I think the question that we have is like, how much of that is personnel? Like, the two best seasons he's had uh, in terms of passing were with Nate Stanley back in uh, 2018 and, and 2019, uh, you know, by Iowa standards, that was a pretty proficient passing game. You know, we're not ever going to be mistaken for Texas tech, USC, anything like that. But by the standards of what Iowa wants to do on offense, that was working all right. The last couple of years, you know, obviously it's been wreck and, uh, you know, last year, I think, was just really incredibly, you know, that that's like turn of the century level bad, practically. It was the the last century. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and yeah. for the record, the three quarterbacks, Petrus, Padilla, and Labus passed for 2,037 yards total last season between the three of them. So, uh, yeah. And that was painful to watch. Continue with what you were saying, Ross. Yeah. So, I mean, I think with you know, this year with, you know, you got McNamara now. So, you know, I think what you're hoping for is, you know, McNamara is a big upgrade on what I was had at that position the last few years in terms of, you know, mostly Petrus, but then, you know, we've had Padilla for a handful of games uh, the last two seasons and then Labas in the, in the bowl game too. Um, but, you know, you, McNamara was, he was good at Michigan. He's, he seems obviously like a very talented quarterback. So you're, you're hoping that, you know, you plug him into this offense that you're going to get, you know, improved production. And, you know, like, like I said, in the article, you know, 2,600 yards over a 13 game season, that amounts to 200 yards a game. Like that doesn't seem like a really, you know, a huge amount of yards to be trying to get through the air. It shouldn't be difficult whether it will be made difficult is, is the question. Now your pick, I'll, I'll, I'll let you, you say what your pick was and why. Yeah, I went over here. Um, like I said, I, I just think with McNamara and, you know, also we'll get to this in a, in a little bit on further detail, but you know, they also added a lot of weapons in terms of targets for a quarterback to throw to with uh, tight ends and, and receivers. So I think just that overall talent upgrade is going to be enough to, get the passing game up to, like I said, for this, at least for Iowa respectable levels, like definitely not respectable nationally. I mean, like I said, we're looking at 90th in the country here. It's not, 
not stellar for sure, but at least something that we can move the ball more proficiently on offense or Iowa can move the ball. Right. And with that said, it's 200 yards average. So against the likes of Utah state against the likes of Western Michigan, that should be up and over 300 yards. It should be, but uh, that's, that's been something that's been said a few times about a few different games. And uh, you know, you, you may throw in Rutgers and Northwestern in there as well with the state of those programs. So I, I've got to go over here to 2,600 yards is, is nothing, especially if you got Cade McNamara uh, under center for your team. So we're both hitting over. Uh, and if you have a, a thought or anything like that, you can hit us up on our premium board. Once this is up, you think we got it right. You think we got it wrong, what have you. So on to the next one, 20 and a half passing touchdowns uh, for Cade McNamara and that quarterback crew. And I'll, I'll let you go once again here, Ross. What do you think here? Yeah, I mean, we're just, you know, what what kind of uh, scoring can we get from the quarterback in the passing game? Um, we have not really come close, or Iowa has not come close to 20 passing touchdowns uh, the last couple of years. But, you know, I think if you're expecting a, a more proficient passing attack, more productive in terms of yards and moving the ball, then you should also probably expect it to lead to some more touchdowns through the air. And, yeah, I think that's also where, you know, some more, uh, more targets or more weapons comes in. You've got Eric all now, uh, you've got Caleb Brown, you've got Seth Anderson, uh, you've still got Nico Regani and, um, Deontay Vines and of course, Luke Lachey. So, you know, there, there should be a lot of people for McNamara to throw to, especially as it gets closer to the end zone and in the red zone. Um, so yeah, we're, uh, looking to get some more touchdowns that way but you did pick under. Why did you pick under? I think that was also just a uh, probably, I still need to see it. You know, I think one of the things last year was also the play calling in the red zone. Um, You know, just Iowa really struggled to score touchdowns last year. That's no surprise to anybody. And watching the games uh, and, and, you know, watching them again, like the, the red zone play calling, uh, it was tough. You know, there just weren't a lot of balls thrown into the end zone, it seemed like. So if you're constantly throwing the ball short of the end zone, you're, you're relying on guys to make people miss, break tackles, score. And if if I was still doing that this fall, then, you know, that hitting that passing touchdown mark could be difficult. So uh, I definitely hope they, they hit the over there, but I was cautious, I think. So I went under. And like you said, you got to rely on some big plays happening if you're going to get up and over 20 uh, passing touchdowns in a season. And when when you've got personnel coming in like Caleb Brown, I see that being more likely. But with how tight end heavy the offense is, and there's not a whole lot of game breakers yet on the offense. There's a lot better players but nothing quite like what you see in Caleb Brown or Cooper DeGene's ability to score the football when he's got it in his hands. And he's not playing offense as much as some folks would like him to. But I think a a more difficult over under here would have been like 17 and a half, 16 and a half for me would have probably been more difficult. I see it probably ended up at like 18 at the end of the season for, for Cade. So I'm going to go under here as well. And uh, if well, I, I suppose we're going to get into it here in a, in a little while. I was going to ask you about receivers and who you think will lead the team in scoring, but we will get to that in a moment here. So, um, again, Ross Binder and I referencing this article on iowa.rivals.com that he put together regarding over-unders and the Iowa offense this season. Uh, you know, based on recent history, it's probably easy to bet a whole lot of under, but we're going through it here on uh, on HotCast. and. Next one, we're hitting the running game. So, Ross, will there be a 1,000-yard rusher on this football squad? Because Caleb, Caleb, I almost said Caleb Young, Caleb Johnson ran for 779 last season in his true freshman year. In total, the team put together 1,234 yards. Will there be a 1,000-yard rusher, Ross? 
Yeah, I, I said yes. I, I took the over here, and uh, I just believe in Caleb Johnson. Like I, What he did as a freshman last year, I think, was really impressive. And he did that. He, he also get the the confines of the offense. Like That was a, an offensive line that really struggled to be consistent in terms of you know opening holes for him, uh, and especially getting blocks at the next level. And it was with a passing game that, you know, we've already talked about, but that was, you know, very weak. So he was facing a lot of, a lot of loaded boxes and, you know, he still managed just about 800 yards, uh, even with those, those handicaps. And, you know, you're hoping this year you got a better passing game with Cade, you got a better offensive line. You know, the guys there are, uh, you got some new personnel, you got healthier guys, you got guys with more experience. So and hopefully that all adds up to a better offensive line. So I think with that, those factored in, I, I think, you know, he should have the opportunity, the ability, uh, I think, to get to a thousand. I think the question mark is opportunities. And, you know, does he get enough carries? Does uh, someone else, you know, leach some of those carries? Do they do running back by committee? Um, but like I said in the article, I don't think so, because, you know, we saw this with with Tyler Goodson. Uh, a few years ago when they had I when they had him and you know when Iowa has a, a really good running back who's kind of head and shoulders above the other guys in the running back room that they really like and really trust the coaches are not afraid to really rely on him you know not like excessively you know we're not it's not giving him like 35 carries a game that's that's crazy but he's still going to get a really solid you know 20 25 carries or touches and uh, I think that'll be the case with Caleb. And I think if, if he does that and he stays healthy, I, I think a thousand yards is definitely uh, in the ballpark for him. So much of it is contingent on the pass game to me, because like you mentioned, they were just boxing, boxing up, essentially putting, putting both safeties down in the box and, and stopping the run game. And not only will pass game open that up, it'll make those safeties be a little bit more weary of where that ball's going. But additionally, you throw in two veteran line or linemen in, in Rusty Feth and Dejon Parker uh, at the front, and then um, keeping Connor Colby at left guard. Logan Jones is obviously impressing at, at center. And then of course you got Mason Richmond at, at left tackle, but um where where things are are going offensively in terms of the past game and the expectations there, what Caleb Johnson was able to do last season with so little help, you, you just gotta you gotta lean the way of a thousand yards. And I promise I'm not just banking off what Ross said. He he did some solid evaluation here. But uh, when I when I look at Caleb too, you you look at what's going on around him in terms of the offensive line, but also the passing game. And then you think, well, then there's experience. We've seen the natural talent. We've seen he's got the natural speed, the elusiveness. But I think where, in, in what I've seen from film, where he takes his game to the next level is understanding angles. He's got patience and, and using that patience and growing in terms of explosiveness to hit the hole too, I think will be a leap that he takes into his sophomore season. So I, I would say over as well in the thousand yards, but it does, like you mentioned, also contingent. How much does LaShawn Williams touch the ball? How much does Jazz Patterson touch the ball? How much does Terrell Washington touch the ball this season? Because we saw him get some action in the spring game. So if it's a similar load to last year, I say a thousand. If it's not, I say under. Uh, but you know, there's only so much we can we can t we can say right now regarding that, and we'll we'll see as the season starts. But then up next for Caleb Johnson is over under seven and a half rushing touchdowns, and I'll start here. I think either way, I'm going to go over on this, and that's because of what's already been mentioned: play calling in the red zone. They want to punch it in. They want to they want it, that ball to stay in somebody's hands. They don't want it in the air. Um, and on top of that, other than Luke Lachey, other than Eric, all, they don't have that go up and get it receiver. And that's been something that was missing. And that a few people had mentioned in the transfer portal of a guy who you can have run a fade and he'll go up and grab it. They don't have, uh, they don't have just, for example, off the, off the top of my head, like a Xavier Hutchinson in this offense. So, um, I, I think he'll probably well, let's see here what he what he ran for in terms of touchdowns last season. Caleb Johnson had six scores on the ground last season. The team in total had 12. 
with two from LaShawn Williams, three from Spencer Petras, and one from Arlen Bruce. So I, I, I would have to say over there again. Um, I, I think he remains their, their guy in the red zone as well um, to, to get the ball off to and, and to score. So I say over. Ross, what do you say? I said over too. Um, like I said, I, I'm a big believer in Caleb Johnson this fall. Uh, you know, I like what you pointed out last time to, or just a few minutes ago about, you know, he's a sophomore now. He did everything last year as a true freshman when, you know, he didn't, he kind of knew what he was doing, but he was also, you know, learning a lot on the fly and learning on the job. And, you know, now he's had a chance to go through another spring practice and really study film, um, you know, really get more comfortable. So I, I think that's really going to help him. And, you know, down near the end zone, like he's a pretty big back. I think they're not going to be afraid to, uh, you know, to have him try and punch it in when they get close. So, um, you know, there's always a little bit of uncertainty, like, you know, oh, you know, he runs the ball down to the five and now they bring LaShawn in to, uh, you know, try and punch it in or, you know, do they, they love the quarterback sneaks or do they do that? But overall, I think he's still going to get enough opportunities that, you know, he can get eight to 10 touchdowns. Uh, this fall. Yeah. And, and if we see more of what we saw against Purdue last season, again, with that ability to open things up with the passing game and that understanding of angles and the burst that he has, the speed, you know, uh, there's so many different variables that go into, to these, but um, things are leaning the positive way for the Iowa offense solely based on personnel. Now I'm going to group these two together. I think we should have done that with the run game, but I'll group these two together here in the passing game. Does the leading receiver for Iowa have over 700 yards and is in the same vein, maybe not the same player, but does the leading receiver in terms of catching touchdowns have over six and a half receiving touchdowns. Now I'll go first again on this one, Ross. We just had an article out, and, and I spoke about this last Monday. It was an article from you, Ross, about who will lead the team in, in receiving this season. And my choice was Eric All. Yours was Luke Lachey. And I believe the choice on our premium board was, was Luke Lachey as well, where I don't know if that's still open to be voted on, but Luke Lachey was the final tally to be the leader last I checked. I picked Eric All because of the previous connection and the uh, the continuity that they bring to Iowa City on top of the fact that he is a tight end. He's a, a receiving tight end as well. And with that connection, whether it's him, whether it's Luke Lachey, whether it ends up being, you know, Caleb Brown or Nico Ragiini, who knows. But between especially between these two different stats, because they could very well be somebody different based on how they operate within the red zone specifically. I'm saying over for both of these because Cade has a breadth of options, but every receiver or every quarterback has a safety valve, whether that's Eric all, whether that's Luke Lachey, whether it's Caleb Brown, I'm going to say over for both of these because they're because things will open up offensively this year solely based again on personnel not necessarily on play calling but on the talent of the personnel in Iowa City so I say over and because of that safety valve option whether it's in the middle of the field or in the red zone I see Eric Hall Luke Lachey being the go-to quote-unquote receivers obviously tight ends receivers in that red zone should they pass the ball I, and, and therefore they end up up and over that six and a half touchdown mark and uh 700 receiving yards as well. Last season, the leader in receiving yards was Sam Laporta with 657. And that's just another thing that backs up my argument there um, in terms of the yardage. So granted, he had almost 30 more receptions in second place, Nico Ragagini with 34. So I'm going over on both of those. Ross, how about you? Well, I took under. In, uh, in both of them in my article. So I guess I should uh, back that up. Um, and, you know, this is one where I definitely want to be wrong. And I think it's, it's if I'm wrong, it means the Iowa offense is in a good place. And I want to be wrong about my pick last week for, you know, who's going to lead the offense in yards. Like I said Lachey, and that was just kind of a, I, I, the safest option, I felt like, just because he's, 
you know, he, he was looking good at the end of the season. I think he knows the playbook, knows the offense well. It wouldn't shock me if it's if it's all either. But I, I really think it's much better for the offense if we if it has a receiver that's leading the team in yards and that's getting 700, 800 yards. Like that is a sign of a much healthier offense than what we've seen in Iowa City. Um, you know, obviously Iowa's tight end you, the tight ends have been phenomenal. But I there is kind of a ceiling on what you can do as an offense if you're you're being led by a tight end with, you know, 700 yards. Like, you know, you don't have that game-breaking threat in the passing game, obviously, when that's happening. You don't have that receiver who's taking the top off a of defense and really, you know, stretching things out. And if Caleb Brown can be that guy for Iowa, and, you know, I don't know that he's necessarily going to lead the team in, in receiving yards this year. That's probably a stretch. But if he can just give them, you know, so much more than they've had on a consistent basis, like – that will open things up a lot more. Um, but back to my pick, I, you know, I took the under here because I just think there's going to be a lot of spreading the ball around. You know, I, I know what you're saying about finding a safety valve and a, a target that he likes a lot. And I think that's probably true. Um, but I still think that we're going to wind up with something where there's just multiple guys kind of in that 400 to 600 some yard range. Um and so technically that would be under for this category, but um, that's, that's just where I'm, I'm thinking right now. Yeah. And, and fair enough. I, I think spreading the wealth is something that could definitely happen as well. And that would therefore prove my pick wrong because there is so much talent on the offensive side of the ball uh, in terms of players who can, who can catch and run and, and tight end and wide receivers. But now we'll flip over to team over under slash defense over unders. And the top of this list is 28 and a half points scored per game. Your pick is under. Now, when you say under Ross, does that mean over the 25 points per game? Or yeah, I, okay. Yep. Yeah. Good, good, good point. Yeah. Obviously the, uh, the big number here for in terms of team scoring is 25. You know, that's the number in Brian Ferentz's amended contract that, that Gary Barta set up this spring. Um, and that's what everyone's going to be paying attention to this fall. I, I think 25 points, like I said in the article, that really has to be the floor in terms of scoring for this game. You, you have to be able to score that much per game. Um, and I was just looking at kind of the numbers for what the offense has done under, under Brian the last – six years and you know 20 28 and a half is slightly more than the average they've posted i think um he's had a couple years where they scored over 30 and a couple where they were a little bit under um so i think if they if they're hitting 28 and a half that's just for for an iowa offense that's a healthier spot to be in and you know that's roughly four touchdowns a game um you know again doesn't seem like the most you know, overwhelming total for, for most college football offenses. I think, you know, after what we've watched the last couple of years, that, you know, seems like a lot for an Iowa offense maybe, but hopefully we can get back to a little bit more regular offensive numbers this fall in Iowa city and not just the, you know, scary, scary bottom of the barrel stuff uh, from the last couple of seasons. It does seem like a lot, especially contingent on the fact that it was 17.7 points per game last season which I'm honestly surprised it was that many. <laughs> uh, and well, I'm, you know, I mean, that actually, you know, that you're right because that includes the special teams and defensive scores that yeah. like the offense wasn't scoring 17 and a half points a game last year, which again is kind of appalling, but yeah. <laughs> right. So I probably lean under here as well. I imagine it'll be around 26, 27 points per game for, for the offense. And that's just so much of the, so much of how the offense operates and they are very methodical down the field. It's not a quick scoring offense. And I mean, you just, you trust that defense, especially the fact that there is, between the twenties, um, the other team has the ball a good amount. So I, I think this one's pretty easy. I, so it's probably going to be between that 26 and 27. And and if it's 
25.1 Brian Brian holds on now in terms <laughs> I, of I was gonna say that's a really good point about just the methodical nature of the offense you know and and that's where you know again we come back to Caleb Brown and like do they have some more big play options in the offense because you know if, if Iowa is going to be a team that can hit 28 points a game they're going to need to score some big play touchdowns like you, you can't move the ball down the field you know 12 play 10 minute drives and hit that number. That's not realistic. Um, so, but can they get some quicker, quicker strikes with, you know, can Caleb break a few long runs? Can um, Caleb Brown hit something in the passing game? You know? Yeah. that That's, that's probably the question mark there. Yep. And then you look at 16 and a half points per game allowed by the Iowa defense, I guess, offense as well. If you, you throw in any chance at a pick six or fumbles or what have you, but 16 and a half points per game allowed. We'll look at last season here. I'm going to have you tell me what it was last season. Do you have it in the article Ross? Yeah. Last. Yep. Last year was 13.3 points per game, which was I think second best in the nation. So just really Which is outstanding. Insane. Absolutely yeah. mind boggling. Now, your pick, I'll tell you my pick and then we'll get to yours. This is this is a tough one because the Iowa defense is great year in and year out, right? But so much was lost to graduation in the NFL draft in terms of production from last season. Riley Moss, Jack Campbell, John Wagner, Lucas Van Ness, Seth Benson, Kayvon Merriweather, and very important positions. They're all important, right? But you got your lead corner, you got your Mike linebacker, you got Lucas Van Ness, who was a first-round draft pick, and you're filling those positions with some experienced guys. Jamari Harris has been there before. He's 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 played a good amount for, for the Hawks. Um and then uh, Jay Higgins, he's been around for a long time. I'm a believer in Aaron Graves for sure. Who knows where where Noah Shannon's going to be though? That's that's another big though. The defensive line is is deep, so I I would have to lean this that number sixteen and a half is real is a really good really good point. I'm going to say over to between 17 and 18 is, is probably going to be my, my bet. So I'm going to say over Ross, what say you, sir? I mean, well, that's a great point. And like, even if you hit the over there, like 17 and a half points, that's still probably a top 10 national scoring defense. Like that's still yeah. an outstanding, you know, giving up 17, 18, 19 points a game, like still phenomenal. Like yep. it's not a bad thing if that's the case. Um, you know, I, I think, we've been really spoiled by Phil Parker and I, I took the under here and a lot of that is just down to just probably blind faith in Phil Parker more than anything. Like what he's done the last, you know, five, six years, the, the defense has just been outstanding. You know, they, they've been replaced. He's replaced, you know, AJ Epinesa. He replaced uh, lots of Anthony Nelson, uh, Josie Jewell, you know, there's, you know, you, all these these guys that have been really good, and it's like, oh, we got to replace these guys, and they do. And you know, not absolutely though. This season, you know, replacing Jack Campbell not easy. Replacing Lucas Van Ness extremely difficult. You know, repl- replacing Riley Moss, Kayvon Merriweather, like those guys had a lot of a lot of experience. Uh, you know, just in addition to being good players, like you know, they were team leaders. Like that that leadership void might be the hardest thing to replace on this defense, honestly, is, you know, between Merriweather and Campbell and Moss and Van Ness, like those were all, you know, big time leaders on that side of the ball. So you're really going to have to have guys step up uh, this fall to, to replace that. Um, you know, in terms of the production, like, you know, can Jay Higgins do 80% of what Jack Campbell did? Um, you know, can, you know, Jamari Higgins or Jamari uh, Harris, sorry, uh, fill in and, you know, be a good corner. What can uh, Xavier do uh, with more time at safety? Um, the defensive line, you know, there's just so many options there. You know, you've got Aaron Graves, Yaya Black. Uh, you know, these guys should be getting more playing time. And, you know, this is their chance to break out the way uh, Van Ness did and, and other guys in the last few years. So uh, a lot of question marks, but for me, it does come back to Phil Parker and, 
I, I trusted him, but you know, if they hit the over here and it's, you know, 18 points a game, it's not like neither Phil nor the defense has failed. If that's the case for sure. No, you can't be upset at something like that. No, that that's, uh, it's still a, an awesome stat for, for the Iowa defense. And you mentioned that name a couple of times, Jay Higgins as the Mike linebacker in the middle of the Iowa defense. Now, the last two seasons, Jack Campbell has gotten up and over 100 tackles, got 143 in 2021, 128 last season. And now this is a very Jay Higgins stat because of that Mike linebacker position, but it could be. It could be Nick Jackson. It could be somebody else. Chances are it's going to be one of those two more than likely, more than, yes, more than likely I would say it would be Jay Higgins. The over-under here, 100 tackles. I'm going to let you take this one to start, Ross. Yeah, so, you know, I looked up the numbers in the last few seasons, and, you know, three guys have hit, or two players in three seasons have topped 100 tackles over the last, like, six years, and it was – Jack Campbell the last two seasons and Josie Jewell back in 2017 and all both of those guys, you know, obviously NFL linebackers, Jack Campbell got selected last year uh, and Josie went about five years ago now. And so it does seem like when Iowa has, you know, that NFL caliber Mike linebacker um, and it does kind of have to be the Mike for this step because that's just the defense funnels tackles there. So that that guy's going to get the tackle opportunities and, you know, if he's an NFL caliber player, then we've, you know, experience says that those guys get over 100 tackles. If they're not quite that good, then the tackle numbers dip a little. So I guess it kind of comes down to how good do you think Jay Higgins is? And he really hasn't had a chance to play that much because he was behind Campbell, which I don't think is any sort of an indictment on Higgins ability because Campbell was one of the best linebackers I was ever had, obviously. So, um, you know, the fact that Higgins couldn't get on the field uh, because of that isn't, isn't a problem, but you know, what can he do now that he gets that chance? And I think it's going to be really close to hundred. Like this is one of those where if he winds up with like 93 tackles, I would say, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Um, I went over here just cause I, I don't know. I felt like he's, I, I think he's going to be a good one. So I, I was, putting some faith in him that's why I took the over but I'm not I think it's a really close call even in I guess quote unquote limited snaps last season as that tertiary linebacker in a in a 4-2-5 and in essence a 4-2-5 with that cash Higgins had 40 tackles last season and so that in itself is tough to say oh he's going to be under 100 tackles I mean between Jack Campbell and Seth Benson Campbell had 125, like we were 128, like we referenced. And then Seth Benson had 91. So it, it'll be those two linebackers that are up near the top. The thing that I would see taken away from Jay, because I think he is a sure tackler. I think he'll be up there uh, up above hundred. I would probably say over if I had to bet, but the only thing that I see taken away from Jay is just the fact that Nick Jackson flies around the field, like a missile. I'm not sure how much of his, his film or his highlights you've seen, uh, seen, Ross, but it's I, I, I he's one of the players I'm most excited about that those new guys coming in that I'm most excited about to see on the Iowa defense this this coming season. And uh, he, he'd be a guy that I could see taken away from Jay. But I will say over here in uh, terms of 100 tackles for Iowa's leading tackler. Now, again, I'm going to combine two stats here for this over under. And the top is leading the team or the, excuse me, the player that leads the team in, in interceptions and it's set at five and a half and team interceptions set at 20 and a half. So I'll let you take this one, Ross. Yeah. So, you know, this just comes down to, you know, the Iowa secondary, uh, they've been excellent for several years now, again, coming back to Phil Parker, uh, they've been, but they've been really, really good at taking the ball away. Like they've been near the top of the nation in terms of interceptions. Uh, I think about three of the last five years, they've been uh, in the top five or so, or, or leading the nation and just really excellent work there. So, you know, I think the team total comes down to, you know, I, I said 20 and a half and uh, you know, they've hit that number about half the time over the last six years. And, you know, that really just, do you think uh, the guys they have back there, you know, can they combine 
to really hit that. And, you know, you've got Cooper DeJean, DeJean uh, on one side, you've got Jamari Harris on the other, you've got uh, Quinn Schulte and uh, Xavier uh, and the safety spots. And then you've got uh, Sebastian Castro at cash. And, you know, I do feel like between all of those guys, um, there's a really good interception pedigree there. You know, Cooper had five last year. Jamari had four the year before. Uh, we saw what X could do in the bowl game. Um, you know, dangerous to base base it off one game, but I think everyone has a lot of a lot of hope in in X and what he can do, especially with a full full season. Um, so I I think with all those guys there, uh, I think the ball hawk, the Doughboys are going to be up to their usual standards and uh, and hitting that number. Uh, in terms of the individual. That's tough. Um, you know, I said, I think five and a half was the number. And, you know, that's not a number that has been hit that often. Uh, they've been right around four or five in terms of leading the team uh, the last several years. Uh, I think you have to go back to Josh Jackson for a player who, who topped that. Uh, and that's, that's been a little while now. And, you know, part of the problem with that is, you know, once the guy starts getting interceptions, quarterbacks are like, Hey, I don't want to risk throwing the ball towards him. Like he's too good. He's, he's, you know, messing with my receivers. So they just can, you know, avoid him. And that's going to, you know, limit that happened to Desmond King after his monster year. Uh, you know, he didn't get very, he had very few interceptions the next year. And part of that was just quarterbacks, just, you know, leaving him alone. Um, so I think we could see that, but if you've, if you've got enough good defensive backs, uh, you know, someone's going to get picks. And I took the over here because, you know, I, I think Cooper is a really special player. You know, what he showed last year, uh, his reading of the passing lanes, his ball skills, uh, he's just really great instincts, just phenomenal uh, ability back there that I think he's going to he's gonna be a terror for Big Ten quarterbacks again this fall. Now, I'll start with the individual portion. This one's tough. Like you mentioned, when Desmond King went on a tear, they started going opposite side of the field from him the following season. And probably not to the same degree, but it happened again this last season with Riley Moss and Cooper DeGene. They started going to that opposite side of the field. Now, what the way I see it, I think it's how much you believe in Jermari Harris returning off of injury and if he's going to get up and over five or if X is going to get up and over five because – Cooper showed last season that not only can he pick you off, but he's a pick six threat, um, especially that Rutgers pick six, because the other ones were just, he just kind of walked in. But against Rutgers, he returned it and and showed the, the playmaking ability. So I, I think it does come down to Jamari Harris more than than anyone. Um, I, I, I could definitely see him ended up with six interceptions, maybe seven. and but I could also end up seeing it at, at four again. So this, this is probably the, the toughest one for me because there is so much talent in that secondary Quinn Schulte is a smart guy. He's not, that's not a playmaking position is that uh, that safety position on the back end of the defense. And then Sebastian Castro also not necessarily a, a position that we'll see a ton of interceptions in the cash, but man, I don't know. Over. Screw it. Over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, like, like, like I said in my article, like that was I took the over, but it was a gut play. I think the numbers probably favor under there because it, it's really hard to get six or more picks in a season. Right. Uh, but I think if you if you really like the guys back there, I, why not go over? Say one of them can do it. I'm backtracking under. You, you convinced me under and I, in terms of 20 and a half interceptions forced by, by the entirety of the defense. I say I'm with you there probably over or excuse me, excuse me, not over. I'm going to stick with under there as well, because that is a lot of interceptions. Um, I want to see, did you have 21 picks in 2017, 20 and 2018, 25 and 2021 um, and 15. Yeah. Based on on that number, I'm gonna have to go under. I, I like I see in your in the article here. He said I'm very bullish on the Iowa secondary, showing some serious ball hawking ability this fall. 
if that happens, then 20 plus percent or excuse me, 20 plus interception total should be the end result. I'm I'm sticking with under. I think between X, Cooper, and uh and uh Jamari Harris, they're probably collectively gonna end up with 12 or 13. Then you have the the pop-up balls that just kind of happen where it lands in the hands of of a Jay Higgins or of a of a Nick Jackson or, or a Sebastian Castro. And so they'll probably end up with about 18 is what I would imagine. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick with under here as well, just based on, on the numbers like you've referenced. And then we, we end up at 25 and a half turnovers forced uh, as for the defense in total between fumbles, between um, turnover on downs. And then of course uh, picks, you've got another bullish prediction. <laughs> Tell me about it, Ross. Yeah. I mean, that, that was just kind of, I feel like that one is kind of tied together with the interceptions. Like if you think I was going to get over 20 interceptions, why wouldn't you also think they're going to get over 25 or force over 25 turnovers? Uh, they're just so close that they kind of go together. If you think they're going to go under on interceptions, probably would lean under on total total turnovers you know interceptions are not super consistent but they're more consistent than fumble recoveries which are are very you know a lot of luck determinant there um but you know in general i was been able to recover it seems like five to seven inter- fumbles a season i think uh, over the last several years so semi steady so it really kind of comes down to the picks i think and uh, if you think there's going to be, you know, over 20, then you hit the over here. If you're think they're going to be less than 20, then then under, I would agree with you. All right. Then I, I also am going to under, as you said, those two are are pretty well linked. So that's that first section of today's podcast. We're just going to get to a couple questions from Waterloo Chaz out of our premium board today, as he has sent a few and, we're just going to get to a couple of them, save a few for, for next time. But if you do want to submit some questions, you can do that on iowa.rivals.com backslash subscribe. That's, hey, well, you'll subscribe and then you head over to our premium board where you can submit those questions. And if you are not a subscriber, drop a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, put your question in there, and we will get to it. Now, Waterloo Chaz asked a couple questions because... Like he mentioned in in this post on our premium board, that it is the dog days of summer. So a couple things that aren't exactly related to the Hawkeyes, but he's got these questions. Number one, $6 billion for the Washington Commanders. What in the F blank, blank, blank? How can a team that has been mostly crappy for 25 or 30 years and who does own doesn't own their own stadium but wants a new one be worth excuse does own their own stadium but wants a new one be worth that much especially with Snyder being source of sort of quote forced to sell well uh that is the market for professional football teams nowadays it's unreal Washington DC has had a history of being enamored with their football team the former Redskins at one point in time, they were one of the best teams in the league. And when that happened, the the fan base comes out um, like anybody else in, in the NFL. And uh, on top of the fact that it is a pro football team, on top of the fan base, there is one thing that I would say and that that has me confused about it all is they're in a, they have to rebrand again, right? Like you want to come in and buy a team that has to rebrand. You're looking for a new stadium. Your team's not good. I mean, like, what's what's the move here? Why six billion dollars? So I'm I guess I'm I'm more of the mind of of Waterloo Chaz here when he asked this question is how in the blue hell is that team worth six billion dollars? <laughs> like, what I I don't have six billion dollars laying around, but I would not spend it on the Washington commanders if i had the opportunity i mean i guess the is that just the the entry fee to get into the nfl club at this point like yeah you know because the, the i mean the washington brand is not strong uh no. in terms of success or even identity like you said like if they got to go through another brand you know refresh or reshuffle like that's 
you know, you, you've got nothing there really. So, I mean, you're, all you're paying for is a seat at the NFL table and, you know, getting a chunk of those, you know, insane TV contracts and, and everything. And, and, you know, just being a part of that club, uh, very exclusive club. So I, you know, I, I don't know, uh, I can't really identify with people who have $6 billion to spend. So I don't know, uh, I don't know how their minds work exactly, but I guess if, uh, if you've got that money and you really want to be in the NFL club, then it, it, I don't, maybe the team doesn't really matter. Like, it's just, I want in, this is the opportunity that's there. So I'll take it. Right. I mean, I look at, I even look at their roster and I have no, I can recognize about six names so far. Obviously Terry McLaurin being a former Ohio state Buckeye, Jahan Dotson out of Penn state, Jonathan Allen from Alabama. I think Kendall Fuller is, is with them. Dayron Payne, but other, I mean, Chase Young, obviously, that's that's a big one, too. But when you're looking at NFL rosters, Montez Sweat, that's another one. But when you're looking at NFL rosters, you should probably be able to recognize like 10 or more names, you'd think. And I can I don't think I can get to 10 on, on that commander's or Washington's roster at this point. So I'm just as confused as you are, Waterloo Jazz. Uh, other than just the simple fact of, like you said, Ross, it's a buy-in club and uh, you got to you gotta fork over the cash. Now, he also asked, what are our favorite pro teams? He says, readers from here or original Go Iowa Awesome or some of the other sites probably know that he's a 49ers and Oakland A's fans. He said he loved Charles Barkley and has not had a favorite NBA team in years, but he just bought some Sacramento Kings clothing the other day, probably to support Keegan Murray. Now for me, well, Ross, I'm, I'm curious for you. I want to hear you. I'm going to hear yours. Who are, who are your favorite pro teams? Uh, well, uh, I, I support the twins in baseball. Um, uh, lived up in Minnesota for a while. Um, I actually support the Raiders in football kind of, which is a strange, strange one. But uh, I, when I was a kid, Bo Jackson played for the Raiders yeah. He was incredible, loved Bo, and I stuck with the Raiders, at, you know, after he had to retire. Uh, not a decision that has led me to uh, much football uh, joy in the last <laughs> 20, 30 years, to be honest. But, uh, you know, you make a choice and you stick with it. Um, and in terms of the NBA, uh, you know, I consider myself kind of a lapsed Chicago Bulls fan. Like, I grew up in the nineties. I, you know, ate up everything with the bulls, loved them. Um, hasn't been great for the bulls since Jordan retired, give or take some decent, decent spells, but, um, so I'm more of a free agent with the NBA, I suppose. Now, if I had to pinpoint one favorite professional team, this is going to sound so weird. It's the New Orleans Pelicans. I don't know if I've brought that up on the podcast yet or at any point in time. I think I did on the boards once. I used to cover them for Boot Crew Media in New Orleans while I was living in Madison, Wisconsin. The pandemic was a weird time, folks. So uh, that's that's kind of where I got my professional start. Uh, not not necessarily, but but kind of. Um, and and had a podcast called Pelicans Plus with with Boot Crew Media and. I'm just invested in the fan base now and, and seeing Zion succeed because I mean, I watched that pandemic season where they didn't have anybody in the arenas. I watched every single game that season. I watched a lot of 2021 ended up having to, to call it quits with my last job because it was just too much. But um, yeah, I'm very much a, a Zion believer when healthy, it's just about staying healthy. And uh, BI is my guy. I used to be a Wenyan Gabriel stan. I don't know if anybody even remembers the name Wenyan Gabriel, but he was on the team for two years. And uh, I was kind of known for that in, in the Pelican space, which was funny. But um, I had a slow pitch softball game on Sunday afternoon, and I wore a Pelicans hat while I was playing. And I'm sure everybody is so confused when they see that in Iowa. <laughs> but then additionally, this just – I actually grew up a Heat fan because of Dwayne Wade. It was pre, pre-LeBron – Free Chris Bosch. I was a D Wade guy. Um, I'm pretty sure I still have my youth medium Dwayne Wade jersey from like third grade. <laughs> but then it's for in, in pro football, it's uh it 
well, the Los Angeles Chargers, formerly the San Diego Chargers. When I first became a pro sports fan, it was LaDainian Tomlinson was all the rage. He was coming off that record setting 31 touchdowns, 32 touchdowns in a season. And he was my guy. I have uh, several jerseys of his from when I was young. And I'm not, you know, truth be told, I haven't been super invested in pro football in a little while. And if the Chargers win, I'm like, oh, cool. If they if they're on TV, I watch, but I'm not super like die hard for anybody. So much of my energy goes into this profession and you got to know the ins and outs of it all. So it, it's very much secondary. I'll watch the Pels if they're on as well, and I'm not busy or anything like that. But um, yeah, those are my two teams. I'm, I'm, I'm very much not a Heat fan anymore. I just don't. I mean, I was rooting for them in the finals and stuff like that too. But professional baseball, I, could, I, I grew up a Phillies fan because of Ryan Howard. Once I stopped playing baseball, that went out the window. I could name so many <laughs> players on that roster, though. Chase Utley. Uh, Jimmy Rollins, Shane Victorino. Oh, uh, who was there? They had an ace pitcher who was uh, uh, a lefty. Cole something. Cole Hamels. Yes. Yeah. And Brad Lidge was nasty that year. They won the World Series. So that was the only team that I've had that's been a favorite of mine that won any sort of title during my fandom. And now I is Bryce Harper still in the Phillies? Yes. Yep. There you go. I can name one player on the Phillies now, <laughs> uh, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't watch them if they were on TV unless they were in the World Series. So there you go. But uh, those are the questions that we had posed to us. A few, a few others from Waterloo Chaz that we can get to at, at some point in time. But wanted to hit those. A few fun things to end this episode of Hotcast on a Monday. So we'll wrap up there. I am Elliot Clough at Elliot Clough on Twitter. We appreciate you tuning in. To this episode of Hotcast brought to you by iowa.rivals.com. If you're not a premium subscriber yet, you can do that today at iowa.rivals.com backslash subscribe, and you can submit your questions there. Also, don't forget to leave that rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening. And if you want to submit a question, you can drop five stars over on Apple Podcasts and ask that question there. Again, we appreciate you tuning in. Once again, my name is Elliot Clough. He is Ross Binder, and this was another episode of Hotcast. See you next time.